which is the minimum amount that a mikveh needs to contain. Yordu Shnaim, two people go down into the mikveh, the Tovlu, and totally immerse and submerge themselves in the mikveh. Zeachar one after the other. Harishain, the first person who went into the mikveh, Tohar becomes purified. However, the Hasheni, the second one, Tomei remains impure, because the first person, as he got out of the mikveh, would have taken part of the water with him. Some of the water obviously sticks to him, which means that remaining in the mikveh are less than 40 sa'ar of water. So by the time the second person immerses himself in that mikveh, it is too small and he wouldn't be purified. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Im as long as the even just the feet of the first person were still touching the water of the mikveh, he hadn't fully exited the mikveh, then Afasheni Tahar, even the second person will be purified by the mikveh. And this is based off of a halachic principle called Gudachis, which literally in Aramaic means pull and bring down. And this concept of Gudachis allows us to see something that is higher up than it really should be, higher than we need it to be, as if it is situated lower down where we need it to be. As long as there is some sort of connection, like there is over here, since the person is still touching the water, so all of the water that is on his body is still connected to the water of the mikveh, the concept of Gudachis allows us to see and view that water that is on him as if it is part of the mikveh itself still, and therefore the second person is considered to have immersed himself in a mikveh that contains the volume of 40 sa'ar. A similar example, if somebody dipped a thick coat into a mikveh in order to purify it, and the thick coat obviously absorbs a lot of the water, and he takes part of it out of the mikveh, but part of it is still touching the water. If somebody goes into the mikveh at that point whilst the coat is still touching the water of the mikveh, Tahar will be purified because we can view the water that is part of the coat as being connected and a part of the mikveh as if it is lower down as well. The mission continues. Hakar v'hakeses, a type of mattress or a cushion shall ur that are made out of leather and they have stuffing inside of them in order to be able to use them as a mattress or as a cushion or a pillow. In order to purify them if they become tome, one needs to empty out the stuffing, since the stuffing is considered to be not an intrinsic part of the cushion or the mattress itself. It's as if the cushion or mattress are containers which are holding the stuffing inside of them. So in order to purify them, one needs to remove the stuffing so that the water can touch all of the surfaces and the inside surfaces of the leather material so that they can be to- become tohar in the mikveh. The Mishnah notes that there is a bit of an issue which could occur if one is immersing them in a mikveh that has exactly 40 sa'ar. So we're still talking like we have been until now in this Mishnah of a mikveh that contains only exactly 40 sa'ar. If somebody dips them into the mikveh, so they'll become tohar. But Kivan Sheikh Bia, Sifsoy Sehem in Hamayim, as soon as he lifts up the edges, the mouths, the, the top of these cushion or mattresses that are right now empty, water that is contained inside of them is now going to be considered whenever somebody puts a container into the mikveh and then lifts it up. 
as soon as that water leaves the mikveh, so the water is now inside of a container and it's considered to be drawn water, Mayim Shovim. And what would naturally happen is that as he lifts it up, he'll tip it over and that will be considered like pouring Mayim Shovim into the mikveh. In general, however, that's not a problem, because if a mikveh contains a lot more than 40 sa'ar, then even if one does pour Mayim Shovim into it, that's not going to invalidate the mikveh. But since we're talking about a case where the mikveh only contains the minimum amount of 40 sa'ar, as soon as he lifts some of the water out of the mikveh, it now contains less than 40 sa'ar, such that if he's going to tip the water back in, it's going to invalidate the mikveh if he pours at least three log of the water. So the Mishnah asks, Ketzad Yaseh, how should he go about it, taking out the item from the mikveh without running into the danger of invalidating the mikveh later on? Matbilon, he should immerse them and submerge the items fully in the mikveh, and then umayle oisom der shulehem. He should lift them up, upside down, and that way none of the water will even become Mayim Shuvim because it won't be contained inside of the leather material, and thereby there is no possibility of the mikveh becoming invalidated. Mishnah Zion. This Mishnah continues to talk about the fact that all of the surfaces of an item that is being purified need to touch the water of the mikveh at the same time. If somebody dips, he submerges a bed into a mikveh, and the problem is that the bed is so large, and the only way that all of it can be inside of the mikveh at the same time is that the legs of the bed will be sunken into the ground. Even if the legs of the bed are sunken into thick mud, which is obviously not fit to be a part of the mikveh itself, Tahira, the bed nevertheless does become tahar. Because the water gets there first, that is to say, the legs of the bed become wet, and even once they get sunken into the mud, the water remains on the surface of the legs. There's now mud on top of that as well, but the water of the mikveh remains on the immediate surface of the legs, and therefore it's considered to be that the entire bed is touching the water of the mikveh at the same time. Mikveh shemim of a mikveh which has very shallow water, it has the minimum volume of 40 sa'ar, but it's spread over a wide area, and so it's too shallow at the moment for a person to immerse himself in a way that all of the person's body will be touching the water at the same time. One is able to weigh down even bundles of wood or bundles of reeds so that the water will pile up in what is now a narrower area for the water to be in. The reason why the mission is saying that even bundles of wood or reeds can be used is because some of the water is going to end up being in between the pieces of wood and reeds. It's true that one is going to succeed in limiting the area where the water can be so that it will be deeper. However, some of the water is going to be left in between the reeds and the wood. And the Mishnah is still talking about a case where there is only 40 sa'ar of water in the mikveh. It should be noted, by the way, that even in the, the first case of this Mishnah was also talking about such a case, which is why it's essentially more of a novel idea that we're considering the water that's on the surface of the legs, once they've been sunken into the mud, to be a part of the water that is needed to make up that minimum size of the mikveh, the minimum amount of water that is needed. But as I may, this case is also talking about such a case of a mikveh that has exactly 40 sa'ar of water and no more. 
And now part of that water is going to be held in between the wood and the reeds. So the area of water that has been piled up for him to immerse himself in is going to be less than 40 sa'ar. Nevertheless, the mission says that Vyoda Tovel, he can go down and immerse himself in that water and he will be purified. The reason for this is because it's no worse than cracks in a wall of a mikveh that the water inside of those cracks are able to combine to make up the minimum volume that is needed. So the water in between the wood and the reeds is considered to be like water that's in the cracks of the walls. We now view those as being the walls of the mikveh. And so that can combine to make up the minimum volume of water that is necessary. The Mishnah ends off with one last case of Machat Shehina Sunal Ma'ale Sama'ara, a needle that is placed on the steps leading down into a cave which contains a mikveh inside of it. As we have seen a number of times in the Masechta, often the mikvahs that they would use were inside of caves. And if somebody wanted to purify a needle which is very small, it's very easy for it to be lost as he purifies it. He's not able to hold onto the needle because then not all of the needle will be touching the mikveh water at the same time. So the person has a solution. He wants to place it on one of the steps of the cave going down towards the mikveh, but not inside of the mikveh. And her molich umevi bamayim, he was moving the water to and fro in order to produce a small wave that would reach this step where the needle was. And he wants that to purify the needle. The Mishnah says, As soon as this mini-wave that he has produced passes over the needle, as long as we can be sure that the entire needle touched the water at the same time, it will be purified. Even though a mikveh which is flowing cannot purify, because it's not considered to be in its natural state, a mayon, a spring of water that is flowing, can purify. But we've seen that a mikveh only has the power to purify things if it is still. So I may have understood that a wave is not considered to be still water. Nevertheless, the Mishnah comes to teach that since it's not really a wave that is flowing away from the mikveh, it's a wave that's being produced that's just going to fall back into the mikveh. Because of that, it is still considered to be a proper part of the mikveh, and it's still considered to be in its natural state. And as long as this wave is still connected to the water of the mikveh, it will purify the needle. If it gets totally detached from the water of the mikveh itself, then it wouldn't be able to purify the needle for the simple reason that it lacks the measurement of 40 sa'ar. But as long as it is still connected to the water of the mikveh, it would be able to purify that needle. And this would be a solution for somebody who wants to safely purify the needle without running into the danger of losing the needle inside of the mikveh. The land outside of Eretz Yisrael is considered to be Tomei, and the main reason that is given for this is because the non-Jews often would bury their dead bodies in graves randomly without marking where they were buried, and this created a situation where whenever, wherever somebody went outside of Eretz Yisrael, there was a possibility that possibly he was walking over a grave and would become Tomei. And as a result, Midrabonon, the Chachomim, decreed that the earth outside of Eretz Yisrael is considered to be Tomei. This Mishnah teaches that Eretz Yisrael Tohoirah, everywhere inside of Eretz Yisrael, is considered to be pure, and that rabbinic decree doesn't apply, even if it happens to be an area which is inhabited by non-Jews. 
This point isn't really related to our Masechta, but the Mishnah says it in relation to the next part of the sentence, and likewise, any mikvah that is found inside of Eretz Yisrael can be assumed to be pure. Since inside of Eretz Yisrael, people would usually be careful to remain pure, so they would be able to eat karbonais, Kohanim would be able to eat truma, they would be able to visit the Beis HaMikdash, People inside of Eretz Yisrael were careful to remain pure, and that would mean that a mikvah would be used very often, and therefore it can be assumed that a mikvah which is found somewhere is a valid mikvah, and people wouldn't have allowed it to become invalidated with Maim Sh'uvim, drawn water, allowing that to fall before the mikvah has been filled up, and therefore one would be able to go into that mikvah or submerge items into the mikvah and purify them. On the other hand, mikvah is for Amim Aretz, Mikvahs that are found outside of Eretz Yisrael are presumed to be invalid. At least one cannot have the presumption that they are valid, and therefore the only thing that they can be used for is Kashayun of Ali Kroyin. They are valid for a Balkeri. A Balkeri is somebody who has become Tome because semen, a particular substance, has exited his male organ. We're going to refer to the semen as Zera, which is the Hebrew term for it. And a Balkeri is Tome Midoraisa. According to the Torah, it's a real impurity, and therefore obviously he cannot be purified in a mikvah that is made up of Maim Sha'uvim. However, the Mishnah is referring to an additional rabbinic decree made by Ezra HaSofer that a Balkari is forbidden to learn or to daven until he immerses himself. And the truth is he doesn't need to immerse himself in a mikvah, it's enough to pour water on him or to clean himself in a body of Maim Sha'uvim a body of water that is not necessarily valid mikvah water. And therefore, in order for the Balkari to be able to learn or to daven, he would be able to immerse himself in this mikvah that was found outside of Eretz Yisrael, even if he knows that the mikvah was filled up from a canal into which people poured water, so he knows that it's made up of Maim Shovim. Nevertheless, in order to learn and to daven, it's sufficient to just clean himself in any water. It doesn't need to be specifically mikvah water. However, for anybody else, they would not be able to presume the mikvah to be valid, and one cannot be purified in such a body of water that is found outside of Eretz Yisrael. The truth is, the Mishnah adds that even Shabbat Eretz Yisrael, even mikvahs that are found inside of Eretz Yisrael, not every type of mikvah is able to be presumed tohar and valid. It's specifically shechutz lamafteach, those that are found outside of the key, literally, it means outside of the gates of the city, Kashayim Aflanidois, those are valid even for a Nidar, a woman who is Tome as a Nidar, and likewise anybody else. The Mishnah specifies a Nidar because a woman who is Tome as a Nidar is forbidden to have relations with her husband, and the punishment for doing so is very severe. It's Kores, so to speak, being cut off from Hashem. And the Mishnah is coming to say that one is able to rely fully on the purity and validity of the mikveh, even for a nida, to be able to have relations with her husband again. But the Mishnah adds that mikvahs that are found within the gates of the city, even inside of Eretz Yisrael, cannot be presumed to be pure. So although Kshayna Valley Kroyin, they are valid for a Balkeri, because the Balkeri can immerse himself even in Maim Sha'uvim, but of Surum it is invalid for anybody else who is Tomei and needs to be purified, because we are concerned that people may have 
wash their clothes in this body of water, and when they wash their clothes, right after they lift the clothes out of the mikveh, they squeeze them in order to get rid of the water. And since the water is manually being removed from those clothes, it has the status of Maim Shuvim. So there is a very great possibility that these mikvahs are invalid, and therefore one cannot be purified in them. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says that even mikvahs that are outside of the city, those that are found near to the city or to the path which people walk on when they're traveling towards the city, those need to be presumed to be impure. That is to say, they need to be presumed to be invalid. Because people wash clothes in them, it's only mikvahs that are further away that tohirim, they can be considered valid, and there's no concern that they became invalidated from the maim sh'uvim of people squeezing out the water from the clothes that they wash in there. Which debates the next few Mishnayas talk about a balkeri, and more specifically the impurity that he or others might have as a result of having contact with zera. Zera is a particular substance that comes out of a person's male organ when he has relations with a woman, or at other times, and it makes him tome, as well as the woman with whom he is having relations. And the zera itself, which is the substance that comes out of his male organ, is a source of impurity. And this Misha talks about somebody who is unsure whether or not that which came out of his male organ is regular urine or it's zera. So Elubali Kroin Shemsuchen Tvila, the following people would be considered a balkeri and therefore would require immersion in a mikveh to purify themselves. If he sees the substance coming out of his male organ as individual drops as opposed to being a continuous flow, or if it is not transparent, then if it is like this from the beginning, as soon as he starts to urinate, then tahar he is still considered to be pure, because in general the urine comes out first, so if it comes out like this right from the beginning, so you can assume that it's urine. However, if in the middle or at the end of him urinating, he sees it coming out in this way, Tome, then he is considered to be Tome, because it is most likely to be Zerao that is coming out of him. If it comes out like this, in this way, from the beginning until the end, then Tohar, he is considered to be pure because then we can assume that it is regular urine. However, if it is white or sticky, then Tome, he is definitely Tome, regardless of at which point it was like this, because then it is certainly Zera. The fact that it is white is the same as if it was just not transparent, and therefore it would depend on whether it came out like that at the beginning or later on, like we learned earlier on in the Mishnah.